He's got too much pine tar. Sloppy Head. jalopy. They were doing the uh, the Chris Davis fishing for it. Might be going to call George Brett out. Well, he is. He's out. Yes, Brett is out. Look at, look at this. Brett is out. And Demon Matt. He is out. And having to be forcibly restrained from hitting plate umpire Tim McClellan. Too much potter. <laughs> Way, way too much pod tar. Welcome back to another episode of Too Much Pod Tar. As we're going to be starting some off-season preview shows, you know, and also talking about every team's season, how it went. And the first up here, I got the Rays, uh, Tampa Bay Rays, who were the American League champions for this season. Uh, and then... They lost in six games to the Dodgers in the World Series, which was it was a it was an outstanding World Series, very very exciting, uh, back and forth the whole way. Uh, they both split uh, the first the first five games. They went and then they won, won, won they went back and forth. One you know Dodgers won the first game, then the Rays second, uh, and then you know third was to the Dodgers, and then fourth was to the Rays fifth. Fifth to the Dodgers and then sixth to the Dodgers as well, and to close it out. But yeah, today I got the same guys I had on for the World Series preview show. Um, the Rays fans, you know, Ken Ken Filler and Joel Bailey, um, they were on for that, and they discussed the Rays obviously for that World for the World Series. And then, so how you guys feel now after you know obviously you lost the World Series, but it's still you know still got to take some positives away from the season, of course. Because they made the World Series, it's still a positive. So, what do you, what are you guys' first thoughts about how how the season went? I was disappointed in the way the season ended. Not so much that they lost the series, just how they lost it. And that Kevin Cash move—it's been talked about ad nauseum. That had to be one of the worst moves I have ever seen in watching baseball. And talk about how great analytics are and what it can. Do your team and help you win games. Well, this is a case of analytics losing, not a game, but a possible championship for you. It's right up there with Pete Carroll and the Seahawks passing at the one yard line in the Super Bowl against the Patriots and losing the game. And Kevin Cash, I can tell you, he was roasted here in Tampa in the media, in the newspapers, on radio for that decision to pull Blake Snell in game six. Uh, there was no reason for that. So that was um, that was disappointing to to see the, the way it ended like that. Yeah, I'm not even a race like I don't even like the race, and I was like I was livid about the move. I was like, what is he doing? What is, like I don't know, I had no idea what the hell that was about. Seventy three pitches like doesn't make sense at all. Absolutely see, does not. I I think personally for me, I, I I understand the move, but I don't understand Anderson, and I sort of I backed the decision and. We, I, I think we're not in the World Series if we don't make those decisions. And they've worked all year. And then the one time it doesn't work is obviously Game 6, and it doesn't work in a huge way. But I think my, my issue was going to Anderson then rather than pulling Snell. And I think, actually, there are a lot better, more more 
on form, reliable options in Anderson, and actually maybe you can, it's the right decision just with the wrong person. That was my takeaway. But we've all done it a million times. Um, what are my takeaways on the season? Um, a bittersweet, really. It's, it's odd finishing the World Series sad. But then if you'd offered me back in February before any of this pandemic stuff, actually, Joel, you're raising and go to the World Series and lose the Dodgers in six. Would I have taken it? Yeah, probably. So it's sad to lose, but actually sort of temper those sort of expectations to where we were in the season. And actually, it was a very good season. And I think this team's only going to get better in the coming years. Obviously, the number one farm system, young guys are only going to improve. <clears throat> there was a lot of naivety, I thought, in the postseason in terms of sort of approach at plates and people got... We struck out a ton, and that will only reduce as people get more mature, we get better. So, um, yeah, it was a, a good season, but a tough ending. But yeah, very pleased with it. Yeah, I would I would agree with that, Joel. I thought it was a a good season. Uh, the Rays went forty and twenty, had their best win percentage in franchise history. And if you take those forty wins and project them out over a one hundred and sixty-two game schedule, the Rays would have had one hundred and eight wins. Now, the competition would have been a little bit steeper, you know, when you have to play the White Sox and Minnesota and Oakland and Houston instead of just teams in the AL East and the NL East. But uh, I thought the season was good. Kind of, I was thinking about this. Brendan Lau and Nick Anderson were probably the MVPs of the season. Lau was no doubt their best offensive player. Anderson was one of the key components in that bullpen that helped them get to the playoffs. I don't know that there has ever been two players that were so instrumental in helping a team have a successful season and then absolutely being two of the worst players in the postseason. They just did absolutely nothing to help their team in the postseason. Yeah. It's funny, I, I looking back at the regular season, I, n I never actually thought we played that well in the regular season. Like, I, like I, I would have thought, I thought we were personally better in 2019 than we were in 2020 but somehow we 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 won all of a bunch of games somehow and i like we, we were obviously a very good baseball team but I, I don't i've seen us play a lot better baseball than we did this year yeah. and actually certain sort of individuals and performances carried us lao anderson the bullpen and actually well if we can get to the world series playing good but not great baseball then it stands in great state Great shape moving forward. That was my sort of takeaway. I never thought, actually, I always thought we would lose to a, a Yankees or a Houston or something in the playoffs with the way we were playing in the regular season. But Yeah, and, and to your point, the Rays made a lot of ground on the Red Sox. I, I mean, they beat the tar out of the Red Sox this yeah. year. Yeah. They were 9-1 and one against the Yankees, but this being the COVID season, you basically had two training camps. Half their wins against the Yankees was against a Triple A roster. Alex, you yeah. can you yeah. can vouch for that. I mean, Judge Stanton, Torres. I mean, all those big hitters were out for the Yankees in early September, and, and the Yankees really didn't get their full team together to the last couple weeks of the season and were healthy when they made that playoff push. You know, yeah. so I agree with you from uh, from that standpoint that they did win a lot of games that. You know, maybe they had no business winning, but, you know, good teams will find a way to win the game yeah. they're um, supposed to win. I think particularly looking back at last year, each game, there's going to be a lot of misunderstanding looking at how good teams are judged on their winning percentage just purely on it being 60 games. Like, like if you play 
for instance, if someone played the Yankees in the first five games of the season and lost, that hinders your winning percentage massively. But then someone could go and beat up on the Yankees at the end of the year with all their injuries. And actually, if you win three games, then that's worth sort of like, I don't know, 40, 50 percentage points within your season. So, so some teams are going to look a lot better than they are and teams are going to look a lot worse than they are. And I think the Rays were probably fortuitous in looking better than they probably were in a regular season. Um, but, yeah. Yeah, all right, so let's let's start moving on to looking forward to the off season here. Um, you know, obviously we don't we don't even know what the twenty twenty one season is going to look like. They're going to have fans. What's if the pandemic's going to be over? Any of that stuff? But we'll we'll see what happens. But kind of look at what the keys to the off season are going to be for the Rays. You know, they've already started some of their their moves. Uh, they declined their options on Charlie Morton. His his option was fifteen million. And also on Mike Zunino, uh, four and a half million. So those are kind of keys, key positions they need to look for, look at. Um, you know, to get some pitching, and also uh, backup catching because they have. I think they only have one catcher on the roster right now as it stands, which is yeah. Yeah. Ronaldo Hernandez. Uh, so they're gonna have to look at that and see if they can. They're still interested in bringing back Zunino, so on a cheaper deer deal. So. They they can definitely look at that, um, but the one guy they did waive was uh, uh, Michael Perez, who who got claimed by the Pirates. So that's yeah. one guy. One guy they're definitely not going to be able to bring back. But what would you guys like to see at those positions, like at, for you know rotation and catching wise? Well, it's going to be. Um challenging I, I think for the Rays rotation the door has not been closed on Charlie Morton oh. just because the no. Rays did not pick up his option does not mean he is not coming back he lives it sounds in, like he wants to stay yeah yes he lives in the Tampa area has a home in Bradenton and the talk is that a team will be able to sign Morton for a one-year deal maybe in the eight to nine million dollar range that doesn't preclude the Rays from spending that money on bringing him back now, that, that all depends on, on, on what he wants to do. I mean, there's been talk he might even retire. Yeah. I mean, he, he was going to talk that over uh, with his family. But if Morton does not come back, you have Glass, Tyler Glass now and um, Blake Snell as your two anchors in the rotation. Throw Ryan Yarbrough in there. That's three starters. Chirinos and Jalen Beeks are not going to be available for 2021. They're going to be recuperating from uh, Tommy John surgery. And uh, they they will not be available. Um, so the Rays are going to have to go to the farm system or pick up some guys on the free agent market, uh, which in the past that they've they've kind of been fifty fifty on that. Brendan McKay is a guy that has had some work in relief and as a starter, so he's a possibility. Um, another guy that they really want to take a look at that has just had a string of bad luck is Brent Honeywell. He has been out the last two seasons with various arm injuries, and he just had a string of bad luck. I don't think he's pitched competitively in two years, two-plus years. So the Rays are really eager to get a look at him. He was uh, right up there with Wander Franco as one of the Rays' top prospects before he had the string of arm injuries you know, a couple of, um, couple of years ago. And uh, Josh Fleming is another guy that came on the scene uh, this year, did very well in whatever role uh, the Rays put him in. So I think in-house, the Rays do have some possibilities to round out uh, their rotation. And the Rays are always budget conscious. 
So if they can get, they think McKay, Honeywell, and Fleming can be a, a good mix to the uh, Glass Now, Snell, and Yarbrough, I think they will probably go that route instead of spending a lot of money to, you know, bring in a free agent or two. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, I think Snell and Glasnow are locks as one and two. Um, whether Morton comes back, I don't know, but I'm going to assume probably not. Uh, he's off the roster in the moment, so I just assume that. Um, obviously, you've got Yarbs third. I actually think Fleming will probably stay. Fleming's probably here to stay. And actually, whether he works as a fifth, sixth starter or he serves as a, an opener or someone who follows an opener or gets the bulk of sort of a long relief guy, I, I really like Fleming this year. And I'd actually say he's probably one of the sort of the, the find of the year for the Rays. And he was brilliant. Um, and then, like you say, Honeywell. I don't know whether Honeywell will go in spring. I should probably guess not. Uh, I know McKay was throwing at the end of this year. So he should be good to go for spring. But whether I think they'll, they will bring in a high-quality arm, whether that is Morton on a one-year or maybe they'll look via trade and look to to deal someone like Xavier Edwards or someone like that, someone in a bit of a logjam position and go out and get someone to be a third guy for the Rays. Um, where, there's a million and one candidates, but they'll have an idea of who they want. So I think there's some, someone will come in, whether it's Morton or someone via a trade in the third spot, and then it's down to pretty much a combination of McKay, Yarborough, um, Fleming, Honeywell, or whoever at the end of the sort of, to fill in the sort of fourth, fifth spots in the rotation. But um, it's a long season. Um, anything can happen. It wouldn't surprise me if the Rays sort of use seven, eight, nine starters next year, as they've done pretty much since day dot. But um yeah, I, I'm the red. There's a, I have a lot of sort of concerns about the Rays roster and the Rays setup, but the, I think the pitching isn't one of them. Um, where do you stand on sort of the catching situation, Ken? Well, they're going to have to sign somebody. Uh, Ronaldo Hernandez, he's been one of their top prospects for a few yeah. years now, but he's like number twelve when it comes to overall prospects. He has no big league catching experience, and if if you look at the free agents available outside of the top two or three guys, which are going to command huge salaries. You know, you're looking at journeymen, guys that are in their 30s, one-year, two-year deal, maybe, uh, you know, in the million to two, $2 million range, maybe a little more than that. Molina's a guy of Saint, from St. Louis um, that the Rays could take a look at. Um, I think he's in his mid-30s, uh, but the Cardinals really like him, and, um, you know, he, he may opt to go back to St. Louis. But uh, they definitely – I think that's the most pressing need for this team right now is to find a solid catcher. If they bring Zanino back, that kind of shores up the defensive aspect behind the plate. But he he's only hit 161 in his Rays career. That's over 300 at-bats. For whatever reason, he just ha- struggles offensively. And I know after his first year in Tampa – there was a lot of talk and some questions about whether they were going to bring him back. And they did bring him back because of his defensive ability with their hands crossed, their fingers crossed, thinking, hey, maybe this guy will get it offensively and, and maybe he'll figure it out. But it just it just didn't happen. So yeah. he's an option for them. And I, I, I would be okay with that. But then again, you know, if, if you want to give Hernandez a shot, you're still going to have to bring in two catchers, yeah. Because they lost Kevin Smith too. Now he didn't he didn't play a lot, 
but he was instrumental in, in, in a couple of games and had a couple of key hits to help them win a couple of ball games, but he was waived. And of course, as Alex mentioned, you know, Perez signed with uh, Pittsburgh and, um, you, you know, Zanino, we don't know what's going to go on with him. So you got Hernandez right now and that's it. So that has to be a sense of urgency for the Rays. I don't, I don't think there's any way Hernandez is opening day catcher. There's no, no. way that will happen. No, I'd be, I'd be amazed if he was on the opening day roster. Um, exactly. So, so you, the Rays are going to have to find two catchers from somewhere. I think Zanino will be back because the pitchers like him and they're comfortable pitching to him. And I think he'll probably come back for less than obviously less than his option. Um, I, I actually don't mind Zanino offensively. I think the downside of him is balanced out with the upside of his defence. But the downside of Zanino is only made worse when Kiermaier doesn't hit or Adames doesn't hit in front of him because then you get the seven, eight, nine hole hitters all not hitting and then it's sort of eight, nine easy outs per game. You can sort, you can carry one bad hitter, you can't carry three of them. Right. And that's sort of where we were at the back end of the season. It was sort of like, oh, wait till... It, it, you sort of lose two whole innings of the game with Adames, Kiermaier, Zanino hitting, and you might get lucky, Zanino might hit home, Kiermaier, but you, you can't rely on them. Whereas... Actually, if Adamas and Kiermaier hit in front of him, then you can afford that luxury of an offensively down catcher who brings his value defensively. So I think I think Zanino will be back. Where they get a backup catcher from, I don't know. Um, in all honesty, I'm sure they've got some ideas about where they go, where they will go with it. Who catches in AAA? I'm not I'm not massively sure of sort of who catches in AAA for for a double A. I'm, I'm not sure. There, there's no you know, AAA season, and the only catcher that yeah. everybody talks about is Hernandez. You, yeah. you know, when it comes yeah. to any kind of prospect that they have in the pipeline. Yeah, so I assume they'll get two catches in the free agency um, and maybe look to sort of bring Hernandez up sort of mid-season, I guess. Yeah, I agree with you, Joel, that I think I think they'll bring Zanino back as well and then find somebody else in free agency, like a maybe like a second-tier catcher there. Because like, mm. like you said, Ken, after the first couple, there's really no, no set guys that are going to be like crazy good or anything. Like, I know there is... You know, Wilson Ramos is a he's a pretty solid option, I think, and he's probably he'll probably command a little bit. Probably won't be able to command that much, so I think that could be an option. Uh, somebody like I guess Austin, you, yeah. somebody like Austin Romine as well, I think, would be a decent option too. Yeah, I get, if if you're confident in Hernandez coming up in say July, there's probably 75, 80 games played by July. And if you can get 50 from Zanino by then, you only need to sort of find a 30-game fix of your backup catcher, and then you can look to bring Hernandez up. So I guess you, the rate, assuming Zanino comes back, you only need to find 25, 30 games out of, set of, out of a backup catcher who works. So, so whether you, you could even look at the schedule and have a look at someone like who hits well against Boston or New York and who, who are we playing in the first half of the season that we can actually really get a productive sort of 30 games out of and then look to either wave or DFA or whatever. But that, that's fully on the assumption that Hernandez comes up mid-season, which I don't know. I'm hoping he is, but your guess is as good as mine. Yeah. Respect my, uh, what I was talking about too, like with Romine, that would be, I think, he would be uh, since he's used to the AL East too. He would be yeah. that would be probably the best option I think out of those kind of second tier guys. 
since he knows he knows the American League teams and yeah. when, when he was on the Yankees he was he was he was pretty good when he came in to when Sanchez was hurt he would be he was hitting he hit pretty well he came in came in clutch in situations so as much as was I wouldn't Detroit he went to yeah Detroit yeah yeah Tigers as much as I wouldn't like him being on the Rays that's I think <laughs> <laughs> so what's one what would be like one guy you would like to get for uh, in free agency like talking about starting pitching like what would you what would one guy you would like to see them get or in tra- in a trade wow gee it's a pitcher um I don't know. So I, I, I've got. I know. I know the one hitter I want, and I, I, I did a tweet about it last night, which I'll explain once we get onto the hitters. But I'm pitching. I don't know. It's not something I've really given much of a thought to. I mean, it's like Nick Anderson. Uh, no one had barely heard of him before he came over, and actually, he's just this guy with an obscene strikeout rate, and he's coming and be brilliant. So, so I think it's probably naive to just go looking for a name with the Rays because we don't go and trade for a name. We go and find someone with velocity and strikeout rate probably in someone's farm system or fourth or fifth start somewhere who actually we're seeing something which they're not. So I don't know, Ken, have you got any ideas of a, a pitching name? You, you know, I'm just, I'm, I'm just looking at these guys that are free agents. Most of them are older, a little long in the tooth, have their better years behind them or they were hot prospects at one time and just flamed out. I mean, order is he? He's been with the Rays before. He's a free agent. Um, you know, Trevor Bauer, who wouldn't love to have Trevor Bauer, but, uh, you know, the Rays aren't going to pay him the kind of money that, uh, you, you know, he's going to want. Uh, if you want somebody that is similar to a Charlie Morton, somebody that's been there, done that, has pitched in some big games, maybe John Lester. Yeah. Yeah. You know, he's yeah. 37. Uh, Morton was, uh, I think, a year younger or two when, you know, he, the Rays picked him off, um, off the free agent pile. But uh, John Lester uh, would be a name. Um, you know, Cole Hamels is a free agent. I, he's pitched his best days, but, you know, one season, you know, to help a team win a championship, kind of like Morton did. You, you know, Morton was 16-6 and six last year, and although he didn't do anything in the regular season much this year, he was extremely valuable, you know, in the, in the postseason. And that's kind of what you get with a guy that – has been in the bigs a while, has that experience, but might have a few years on him. So Lester, um, he, he's the first guy that comes to mind. Yeah. And I think he would he would he would fit well in that role that Charlie Morton had if, if the Rays are gonna, you know, bring somebody in to replace Morton. Yeah, I, I was just having a look at the free agents and I was just looking to see if there was anyone you could maybe do a sort of redevelopment project on who's maybe not the picture they were or hasn't list, lift up, lived up to sort of expectation. And the name that actually stood out was Chris Archer. Yeah. About where, could you, could you yeah. get Archer back? I was about to say that too. Could you get him back on tour? I know it, it was a shoulder, wasn't it? It sounded quite a bad shoulder injury he had. Um, but whether I, he's not going to sign this like a minor league spring training deal, but whether you get a, a couple of sort of come and prove yourself and see see if we can work any magic with you, and I don't know, that might be the way to go. But 
I get the sense the Rays will probably go into pitching via a trade because they're they're quite asset rich in sort of prospects and actually will rather than go and pay a free agent salary, we'll go and pay someone's arbitration for a few years and have a couple of prospects or get a bit of team control rather than I would love us to go and sign a Kluber or someone like not sorry, not a Kluber, a Trevor Bauer, but realistically we're not gonna yeah, do yeah. it and uh, Right. And the other thing too that the Rays are notorious for they're notorious for signing these guys to free agent contracts and bringing them to camp and taking a look at them. You know, so, so they could, you know, bring in four or five guys that, you know, um, maybe an Archer, a, a Brett Anderson, an Adam Wainwright, maybe a Lester, Mike Montgomery, you know, Rich Hill, one of those kind of players, bring in four or five of those on a, on a you know, free agent minor league deal. If they make the team, then, then they'll give them the one-year deal. If not, you know, no loss. That you know, the guy gets to, you know, show teams he still has it and can get some things on tape. And if he's good enough, well, the Rays will put him on the squad and he'll be part of the rotation. Yeah. Going off that Archer point too, it'd be funny if the that would be like pretty funny to see that happen because after the Pirates traded away two of their best prospects, <laughs> and then and then they end up getting him back, and he he ends up turning out to be somebody that sucks for them. That'd be hilarious. Yeah, although I, I I will tell you, at the onset of that trade, Meadows just tore it up, and and, and Glass now was really good. This year, not so much. So a lot of people are starting to question whether Meadows is really going to be the hitter that everybody thought and whether Glasnow is really going to be that outstanding picture, pitcher that everybody everybody thought he was based on, you know, what, what they did this year. Now, I know this is COVID year, and, yeah, yeah you know, I, I think Meadows was, was injured or had COVID, you know, the first part of the year. And, you know, he hit, I think, below the Mendoza line in the regular season. But a lot of people are just starting to question a little bit whether that trade's going to end up being as one-sided. As it appeared yeah. to be when it was made. Yeah, and then Meadow obviously had COVID, didn't he? And then he had a bad of leagues. I'm, I'm happy to ride it off for um, Meadows, but I, I guess the, there's a little nagging concern about Glass now, and sort of he's had three big postseason starts now. He obviously against the the Astros when he was tipping pitches, and or supposedly tipping pitches. I won't get into that, but. Um, and then obviously two World Series starts, which didn't really go to plan. So Glasnow needs, I think he's got a big 2021 season coming up of having to prove it. He can do it on a big stage. And actually, if Morton doesn't come back, then there's a big pressure on him to sort of carry the rotation and actually pitch 160, 170 innings and actually be a leader. Um, because obviously there's you've lost one third of your big three horses. And I think so he needs to step up. But I'm not, I'm not massively worried about... Um, Meadows. Going back to the trade, I guess another pitching sort of option will be Baz. There's Baz and McClanahan and it's in there and potentially Joe Ryan. and So there's plenty of pitching options, I think. So. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so let's move to hitting. So, Joel, you said you had an, uh, somebody you would like to get in free agency, so if you want to mention him. Yeah, so I was having a look at it Um I was going to look at free agents and actually who would I like the Rays to get. And I'd sort of do this every naively every year. And actually the one I, I know not being a free agent, the one hitter I wanted last year was Hunter Renfro. And we got him and it didn't quite go to plan. But the one I want this year is Carlos Santana. Um, the Rays had a ridiculously high strikeout rate. We struck out 
27% of the time in the regular season, which was second worst in baseball. Santana has a 17% strikeout rate um, and strikes out just sort of 16% of the time. I would love him to come and sit fourth, fifth in the lineup. You get a veteran presence in a lineup of young, naive, strikeout-prone hitters, and actually it just gives you a great bit of balance. He's got a 350 OBP. Um, I think the one move you would have to make would be to move Yandy. I love Yandy. I think he's great. But actually, he's been here two seasons and he hasn't stayed healthy in either of them. Um, I don't massively like his defence. So he has to DH or play first. I think you bring in Santana. You have him hit against the lefties. You DH him against the righty so Choi can hit against the righty and play first. Your vacancy at third from where Diaz is, you promote Franco, either Franco or Adamez plays third. So there's a natural progression for um, Franco coming up. And actually, I just I love a veteran bat in the middle of that lineup. He's sort he's good for 25, 30 homers. Like he's a cheap cruise who who can play the field, he plays defense. Whereas if the Rays go and get Cruz as good as it is, he has to DH and then that limits your options with Meadows, or Rosarina, Margot, Kiermaier, whatever. Santana would give you defensive flexibility to play anyone anywhere. He can play first, he can he can spell at third, you wouldn't want him at third, but I, I, I just love the idea of a veteran hitter who gets on base, he takes a walk, he doesn't strike out, hits him behind a Rosarina, in front of Adames, behind Franco, behind Laut, whatever. I just It gives a great balance to the team and sort of that's who I spent my Sunday sort of working out. That's our missing piece. So, yeah. And he's, he's tipped at between sort of six and eight million, which if you decline Morton or whatever, Zanino comes back for two or three million. It's easy to free up the money to to get to a six or seven million hitter. That was my sort of opinion. And, uh, speaking to your point about Santana's flexibility, I was uh, in Cleveland and followed the Indians when Santana came up, and he came up as a catcher. Now, whether he could do that or not in 20 games a season, who knows? Yeah. But the defensive flexibility, you're 100% spot on. And we all know the Rays love those guys that can play two or three positions in the field. And yeah. Santana can play first. He can DH. You want to give him a day off from the field. And as you said, you can spot him at third. And I don't think there's any reason why you, you couldn't try him behind the plate and, and, and see what he could offer you there as a, as a veteran presence. But, um, yeah, you're, you're 100% spot on. Santana would be a huge addition to the middle of that lineup. I think it's, in my tweet I had – uh, sort of the diamond being Santana first. So this is against righties. Santana, Lau, Adamas, Franco, Adamas, Franco, and any split. And then Choi, Lau, Adamas, Franco, Adamas, Franco, and any split. And and then that gives you the flexibility to have Brasso and Wendell as your sort of corner infield, middle, in, middle infield depth. And then the lineup would look something like Meadows, Lau, Rosarina, Santana, Franco, Margot, Adamas, Kiermaier, which I love. I think that gives you there's speed, there's power, there's on-base percentage, there's, uh, there's strikeouts still and Kiermaier and Adames, but actually if you've got a guy getting on base in front of them, you can sort of allow that luxury of Willie go and strike out 30% of the time a year, but put it in play, and when you put it in play, good things happen. So it sort of allows you to everyone work to their strengths, and there's, it takes the pressure off guys doing things they're not comfortable doing, I think. 
Yeah, so you guys have any other thoughts on the offseason, what they're what do you want them to do? We kind of touched on a, a lot of it already, but what's how big is how many people are on the roster at the moment? Do we need to I know with rule 5 coming up? 40. I think there there's 40 on the roster for for winter for the winter meetings. Okay. So they're going to because they want Josh Lau, Lau, is it a Lau or a Lau? Josh. Because he's Lau. Lau. So he's they, a, have, uh, they have Josh Low, Nate Low and Brandon Lau. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so he I know he's eligible. They need to get him onto the 40 and who who was the other one was it Taylor Walls was it? Uh, yeah, Taylor Walls. So I, I think there'll, there'll be moves in the coming week or so yeah. to f- get these guys onto the forty because they, they they certainly won't want to lose Josh Lowe because he he was the first he was number one or not number one pick but first round pick wasn't he? Yeah, yeah. So yeah, mm-hmm. it'll be interesting. Yeah, I think that, that you know the big concern for the Rays is okay. Well, what are you going to do about your pitching? Pitching has been a strength of, you know, this race team for a few years now, and that will continue to be the case. But they have to figure out what they're going to do with uh, with Morton. Are they going to sign a free agent? Are they going to promote somebody from from the, from their prospect pool? That that's the first thing. I think the bullpen is 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 pretty well solidified. Hopefully, Nick Anderson goes back to being the Nick Anderson we all know and love next season. If he's not. Then that's going to leave a really uh, big hole in that bullpen, and then and then catcher, you, you know we've already talked about that. You know they 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 will address it. It's it's just a a matter of okay, how much money do they want to spend, and what direction are they going to go? And then as uh, Joel said, you know let's get a bat, somebody that can actually hit consistently in the middle of that lineup and get on base. I think those are the three three big concerns. For the Rays, uh, you know, going into 2021. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's, uh, the injuries that we had in this year, they're not injuries that return for next year either. Like they, they're all pretty bad injuries. Like, like, like you said, Chirinos, there was Drake, Poche. Yes. The, the, these guys are like beaks. Like you've got half a bullpen there alone. They're not, Although we miss them this year, we'll miss them next year as well. They're not going to be so the bullpen. I guess needs a couple of arms. Whether you promote Baz or Joe Ryan or anyone like that to come in and help it out, I don't know. But I think the the bullpen will need an arm or two because the postseason was a, a sort of a product of just overwork and yeah. Exactly, and and they picked up a couple of guys. You know, I, I say pick guys up off the scrap heap or traded guys. I mean Garcia. I mean, I think he pitched two innings total. And, you know, the Rays do that. They'll pick up a guy. He'll pitch in two or three games, help them win a couple, and, and then you never hear from him again. You know, John Curtis is another guy that came out of nowhere. Yeah, yeah, that yeah. I think has a good future, you know, in, in that Rays bullpen. So, yeah. you know, you still have Castillo coming back and, you know, Alvarado, Anderson. You know, Boucher's not – he's out. Uh, you know, for for the season as well, so you can't count on him. But um, yeah, they'll bring some guys into spring training, and you know, low cost. And if they uh, make the team and can help them, then they'll they'll give them the contract. You're, you're making me exciting for spring training now. <laughs> yes, I wish it was February. February fifteenth. Yeah. 
one thing I did see was McKay won't be probably won't be available till like August, so that'll be a key to have him like be able to hold out until he comes back. What's he done? Oh, because he was throwing in the last. I he was throwing during. Yeah, they, the were, they were expecting him to be ready by uh, spring. McKay. Yeah. That's the last report I had. I just read something. He's likely not be able to be ready for opening day. So. Alex, don't do that to me. Well, Alex, what do you think is right? It just gets worse. <laughs> As a sort of a neutral, Alex, what do you think of the Rays and where they're at? And I think they're in a good spot. I think obviously they made the World Series. I think they'll be able to be in the running to win the AL East again. Uh, it's going to be. I think in a full season it'll be tougher because obviously, as you guys mentioned before, like with the tougher competition outside just the AL and NL East, it'll be tougher. But they definitely they showed that they can beat the Yankees, so they they can definitely run. Be it'll probably be a close race uh, again, um, and you know the Yankees and Rays are pretty much the top dogs in the in the AL. Um, you know, guys, teams like the Astros too as well, and those are the kind of the top ones. So I think they'll be in the running again to make the World Series. Uh, so just kind of have to focus on. Getting those pieces, like you guys mentioned, some uh, starting pitching, starting pitching and uh, catcher catching, of course. But yeah. see, see how the off season goes. I don't know how how much how like busy an off season is going to be for any of teams at all. But like cause it, just because of the circumstances, but it's yeah. going to it's going to be interesting to see. When do, when does Franco come up? Franco comes up. He ought to get a shot. This this point, I think. I, I mean, let's not put him in for you know ten spring training games and say, well, he needs a little more seasoning. I saw him play twice in uh, uh, Clearwater. That's the uh, Class A affiliate for the Phillies, and I saw him when Port Charlotte came up to play. Uh, I saw the whole series, weekend series, and as an eighteen-year-old, it was like men amongst boys, even though he was playing with guys that were you know, considerably older than him. His speed, his coordination, his bat speed, he hits the ball with, with authority. He is going to be a big impact player and a big-time player. And with the race struggles offensively, I don't know that you can afford to wait another year or two and, 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 and hope he improves his game, you know, defensively. That Yeah. It's kind of what they're waiting on. I mean, he's got all the tools offensively, but they, they, they need to get him in, get him, and put him on the roster. I mean, he's versatile. You know, yeah. I, he can play short, third, and in a pinch, he could probably even play second. So he fits right into the defensive flexibility that the Rays like with their guys on the roster. So I think he'll be on the team in 2021. But just make sure he spends the first four or five weeks working on his defense so we get that extra year of control, mm -hmm. yeah? Yeah, 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 exactly. And here's what comes into play, too. I know in the past, and I'm not privy to all the rules, but I know there's those rules that if a player is on the big league roster for so many games, then that counts a year towards their eligibility. And teams don't want to bring up a guy, have him sit on the bench, be on the roster, and then lose that eligibility. It really hurts the player, but it helps the team. And I know that's been the case with uh, Franco. Uh, in the, in the past year or so, they didn't want to bring him up and have him play 
even the minimum amount of games, so they would they would lose um, you know one year of eligibility. So that's come into play as well. I think the the one I'm finally the one I'm intrigued with is Franco's obviously the best, and regardless, you'll find a way to play him once he comes up. But Bruhan, I don't know where Bruhan's. Yeah. I, I just don't know where his future is where he plays and how he comes up and I don't know who moves for him to come up so that I I think that's I'm more interested in him than I am Franco because Franco's good enough that he'll come up and when he comes up they'll work it out but with Lau at second and I always thought he'd be like he would come out and be moved to the outfield but then a Rosarina's come in and sort of like is I don't know I'm, I'm, I'm intrigued to see where Bruhan comes up and sort of plays and when he comes up yeah yeah yeah, it, when Franco comes up, he will probably move into that number one prospect spot yeah. on the, in, in their minor league system. Franco's num- been number one for a couple of years now, but, y- you know, Bujan's been top ten, you know, moved into the top five, and uh, he'll be number one prospect, no doubt, when uh, Franco's up with the big league club. All right, so I guess we've we covered pretty much all of it. What what we're looking for for the Rays in the off season. So, just you guys have any just uh, closing remarks on you know what you're looking forward to in the, the next season? The big thing I'm concerned with, and it has been crickets, mm-hmm. is what is Stuart Sternberg going to do with the ball club? Joel, did you hear any comments from Stu at all during the playoff run? During the World Series, I didn't even I didn't see him. I didn't see a photo with him. I didn't see anything. And I think I think the one good thing that can come out of losing the World Series is that it's actually sort of reignited baseball a bit in Tampa. And then there's a the interest in the team will never be higher than it is now, apart from if we won the World Series. So I actually think a good side note of it is that the demand for the Rays is probably higher than it's ever been. So to stay in the area, so I'm intrigued to see how the next. A month's year on hands with Stu. Um, I'm very grateful to Stu, but I wouldn't mind him selling and actually mm. having a bit of sort of staying in the area, keep Tampa there. But um, yeah, I'll keep the I'll keep politics out of it. But um. <laughs> well, let me give you a quote here from Sternberg. This is from 2005 when he bought the team. 2006. He says, "You will never." And I will say it now, and hopefully I can say it, and you'll follow up. You will not hear the words, we need to have a new stadium. We might like to have a new stadium. We can work with the authorities to have a new stadium and work with businesses to have a new stadium, but it won't be from a sense of need. That was Stu, you know, 12, 13, 14 years ago when he bought the club, and now all of a sudden he's done this 360. Yeah. Oh yeah, I would get. I would give it all up in a heartbeat for them to stay. I'd lose Franco, lose a lot of it if it meant the Rays could stay and the, sort of build a build a stadium in Tampa rather than St. Pete and actually will make a success of it. Like it's you don't want you. I I fear every spring train. I fear counting down that this could be the last spring train in that that we're the Tampa Bay Rays or not the Montreal X Rays. They're in Tampa and St. Pete till 2027. Okay, they can't legally move or anything unless, you know, they negotiate, you know, in a, 
an agreement to do that. But to your point, you know, demand for the raise is never going to be higher. People in this area do not have an affinity for Stu Sternberg. And they do not want to get invested in a team and put their hard-earned money into a team that's going to be gone two or three years from now. And that half-baked idea with splitting half the season in Montreal and having spring training and, you know, 40 games of the regular season in Tampa gets too hot at an outdoor stadium. That is not flying. Okay. There's nobody, nobody that's, that's buying into that. And if, if that's the case, you might as well take the team and put them in Montreal full time because the people aren't going to support the team the way it needs to be supported. If Sternberg does that, that's just the honest opinion. And, and that's just the word on the street. It's just not going to happen. Yeah. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see where where that ends up going. Because I, like you said, I don't think it's going to have much. Many of the fans are going to be happy about it. So, I don't, I don't think they should like if they they should listen to the fans and not be like, oh, we're going to. Because if you want to, you, you're trying to gain fans and to begin with, then you're going to just lose fans that were doing that something like that. Exactly. Yeah, so thanks for coming on the show, guys, talking some Rays offseason. Uh, so we'll see what happens here with the with their offseason um, and get the, some of those pieces of convention. So. Yeah. Yeah, I'm going to draw up sort of one of those sort of presidential T-shirts with Santana 2021 20, on it. So. <laughs> there you go. Exactly. So, yeah, no, thanks for having me, Alex. Uh, that was really good fun. And, yeah. Yes, I appreciate being on, Alex. Anytime you need anything, you just yeah. hit me up and uh, I'll be more than happy to come on. Sounds good. Yeah. And yeah, we'll be continuing these off season shows. Uh, next up will be the uh, Braves. I, yeah, next one will be the Braves. Braves, who were there in the NLCS, who lost to the Dodgers. So, yeah, that'll be the next one. We'll be doing the Astros. And so. Um, yeah, as we continue these throughout the off season, uh, as moves are made, I'll be doing some more podcasts there as well. Doing as moves are announced. So yeah, keep keep listening to this the show. Uh, and thanks thanks everybody for listening. And as always, um, you can follow me uh, Alex Keeler. Uh, and guys, I just want to plug your guys guys' Twitter real quick. Sure. Uh, my Twitter feed is at, at uh, krfiller64, and you can also uh, check out my work at tampabayprosports.com, where I write about the uh, Tampa Bay Rays, the Tampa Bay Bucks, and the Tampa Bay Lightning. Uh, and you can follow me on Twitter at joel 4 bases uh, for as spelled F-O-U-R. Uh, and yeah, all my work's on 4-bases.co.uk. Um, it's a site baseball blog site which um covers obviously major league baseball and promotes the sport within the uk um yeah so shout out to all the the uk guys listening and um yeah roll on the baseball season all right and yeah as always you can never have too much pod tar we'll be back again soon <laughs>